Hi. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, Annabelle. Hi, Talia. Welcome to... to I could be friends with him, her. Oh, I mess it up every single time. We're going to have to, I think we're going to have to have a long and serious discussion about your input because it's not much. Isn't it? And your. Isn't it technically my output because it's like what I'm saying? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Hi, this is the third episode. Yeah. Um, so this we almost had our act together. Almost. We're almost there. We have a second mic in our presence. Yeah, it just doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> with this recording software. Right. But that's okay. That's okay. We'll figure it out eventually. And by the time we figure it out, we'll have a proper recording yeah. studio that we have access to. So, <laughs> But thanks for sticking it out with us yeah. this far. So this is like the third like pilot episode. I just did air quotes. Right. Because um, they can see that. Yeah. And after this, we will, like, have access to We'll be to done. It. That's it. This is our last episode ever. Never yeah. never doing it again. All right. Goodbye. Um, but we'll have access. <laughs> we'll have access to, like, a proper recording studio. Right. Um, Courtesy of my tuition. Yeah. Well, so it's not free. It actually costs right. a lot of money. But, um, yeah. So hopefully this will be the last one that sounds like this. Yes. Um, in the future, they'll sound better. But, you know, this is the pilot episode, so... That's not a promise. That's a hope. It's, it's a hope. <laughs> but it will. It will. Yeah. Stay with us. Don't leave. Please. Keep listening. Please. Keep keep Please. running on your treadmill. Keep driving your car. Yeah, Tell whatever you're off. doing. Whatever you're doing. Because you're probably not just sitting and staring at a yeah. wall. I mean, I guess some people can do that. I have to be doing something, though. You know? Yeah. I can't just listen to a podcast. I can't even just talk on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you literally have to be doing your nails as we speak. I have so many mandalas. I don't actually know the right way to say that word, but so many mandalas that I've drawn at work just because, oh. like, when I'm thinking, I just have to be doing yeah, something. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have to do something with my hands. I know. I'm the same way. I. That's why I have, like, three different, like, fidget toys. Like, <laughs> I have a fidget cube. I don't have a fidget spin. Dinner. My grandpa sent me one, but I nice. sold it on Poshmark. <gasps> I remember <laughs> And then they tried to send it back because it was broken, and I literally listed it as, like, slightly broken, but it still worked. Anyway. I can't, like, not only were you able to sell mm-hmm. a fidget spinner, you sold a slightly broken fidget spinner. <laughs> How can a fidget spinner even be broken? It and- wasn't broken. Like, the little weight thingies, you uh, know, like, they were able to come out. That's not... That's not broken, right? Right. They tried to send it back, though. But I, I don't think it... Anyway. Good. Anyway, Good. I also have a um, a tangle, is what it's called. Some people out there might know what that is. And then I have a... Um, I think like, that's a dance, and it's tango. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me show it to you. I'll, like, get it, because I have it. I have access to it. Thanks for getting up and leaving. Yeah. I'm right here. I'm making a lot of noise. These are my fidget toys. <laughs> I have a fidget cube. I, it's a, it's like an off-brand one. It makes a lot of noises, and I hate the noises. I've that seen it those makes. on Facebook a lot. Yeah, and then I have this is the tangle. So it like oh, that's like what I do with my hair. Yeah, so like it's just yeah, but you just cut have, all your hair off. So yeah, so I, I guess not have, all of it. I don't have yeah. So this yeah, it's just kind of like that, like a little thing. Nice. And then this is actually a ball that bounces on water, but I like yeah, that's I like to toy. I like to like toss it and like play with it. I like it. 
Got it. You hear that noise? Like a yeah. nice smack. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like gel on the other Right. Side. Anyway. Nice. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast about women <laughs> and our fidget toys. I could be friends with her, but only if I have something to do with my hands while we hang out. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's, that's, yeah. <clears throat> All right, now that the first segment's done, what would you review as your ultimate fidget toy? <laughs> would you recommend to our listeners? I would recommend um, whatever you... What suits you? Well, okay. I have a I have a fidget spinner for when I drive, or it's just like been in my car since the big old fa- craze, the craze phase. Yeah. It's just it's still been in my car. Do you, and I just haven't taken it out. And sometimes I'll spin it and be like, "Wow, I spent way too much money on this." How <laughs> much did you? I think like ten dollars. That's or not too bad, but yeah, but it's like pretty. You could have bought. It is pretty. It's aesthetic. You could have bought like a. You could have bought two meals with that, probably. Yeah. So, you can't eat a fidget spinner. Could have bought... Actually, they have oh. edible food. They have a what? They have edible fidget Nice. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. It's 2018 and we're talking about fidget spinners. This nail is too big for my finger, <laughs> so I had to take it off. <laughs> I have to find a smaller one. Wait, no, there were no smaller ones. Okay, I have to make it work. <laughs> Talia has priorities... And this podcast is not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I have to do something with my hands. And once this gets done, it's done. Okay. So who went first last time? I did. Okay, so I get to go first this time. Right. Okay. Who who have you brought to the table, which is the floor Yeah, we're not in the library that we have been in for the past two episodes. Because it um, is closing in like ten minutes. And we (laughs) we didn't have time. And so now we're here. But that's okay. We're here. On pillows, mm-hmm. drinking water that could potentially be bubbly. Anyway, so who have you brought to the floor today? Um, so I have Mary Witten Calkins. Do you know who she is? I do not. Well, you're gonna. Ooh. Ooh. She was a philosopher. <laughs> she was a philosopher and psychologist. <gasps> you're doing someone that's related to you. Yes. Oh my well, gosh. Not related. Oh. Like. Well, by blood, but like my by field. passion. My, yes. And she was the first woman president of the APA, which is the American <laughs> Psychological Association, which is like a big deal and is nice. still very much a thing today. They like oversee all Go, of girl. psychology. And then she was also um, president. I don't know if she was the first president, but this is kind of less relevant of the other APA, which was the American Philosophical um, Association. So she you think part. that people that think a lot could come up with different names. <laughs> Instead of the APA and the, and the APA. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of confusing, but um, I'm not really going to focus on her philosophical. You're not going to focus on her? <laughs> on her philosophical <laughs> stuff because Got it. Um, there's not really as much of it. Right. Um, okay, so she was born on March 30th, 1863 in Hartford, Connecticut, and was the oldest of five children. And her parents, uh, Will- Wolcott and Charlotte Will- Witten Calkins. So there you go. <laughs> mouthful of names. And their family was very close, and like her entire life revolved around her family and all that jazz. Good for her. Um, and this. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. I don't know why I made a note of that. It's not very important. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> um, and 
1880, so she was uh, however many years old, um, they moved to Newton, Massachusetts, where she began her education. Um, and her father was a Presbyterian minister, and he took a very active role in the education of his children. Mm-hmm. And when Mary graduated high school, he had, like, no doubts about sending her to college, which kind of at the time was, like, right. not, I mean, women were going to college, but, like, It's not, just not, like, expected of yeah. you. And, but, like, without a doubt, he was like, yeah, you're going to college. Right. You're smart, and you have a future ahead right. of you. Um, and so in 1882... Um, she entered, wait, she began her education in 1880, but then she went to college in 1882. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but that's what it says. Maybe she didn't, like, begin her education. Oh, She, maybe. like, she began, like, her formal education. Okay, got it. I'm sure, I, I'm sure back then it was more complicated. Yeah. Because it was back then. Yeah, I'm just now realizing this. But anyway, <laughs> in 1882, she entered into Smith College as a sophomore. So she was, like, already smart right. enough to be a sophomore. Nice. Somehow. I don't I don't know how credits worked back then. I think then. my roommate did that. Jealous. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then in 1883, her sister died, and she took a year off of school. Oh. But um, while she was off of school, she didn't, like, stop learning and stuff. Like, she wasn't just gonna, like, lay around oh and do gosh. nothing. She, um, got private lessons in Greek and, um, kind of in her spare time tutored her brothers. Oh. So she was, like, always, like... Okay. She was learning, and then she was, like, giving that knowledge back to other people. Like, she was always doing something. The heck, I can barely learn, like, in school. <laughs> in Much less When your sister home. had died. Just yeah. died. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, like, she, like, immediately right but like she was like I'm taking this year off but I'm not gonna let it go to waste right that's amazing yeah um and then after graduation her father set her up with a tutoring job in the Greek department at Wellesley College is that how you say it Wellesley 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 that's what it looks like but I'm not sure W-E-L-L-E-S sounds right L-E-Y I'm gonna say Wellesley okay because I don't know. If what it's else. not that, just imagine what that she's yeah. saying, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm just gonna assume it's Wellesley. Anyway, and she worked as a tutor and then later um, as a teacher of Greek for three Ooh. years. And then while she was there, a professor took notice of her. Oh, and I think Wellesley was a um, woman's college. Nice. I don't think I wrote that down. Um, well, mainly because colleges back then were separated right. for men and women. So, yeah. So, but like you wouldn't think about that just yeah. hearing it. Yeah. So just that side note. Yeah, it's just a little side note. It's not really that important. Right. But, yeah. Um, So a professor took notice of her and offered her a job teaching the new subject of psychology. So psychology at the time was just kind of, like, up and coming. Like, I mean, psychology's kind of been around for a long time, but at Mm -hmm. this point, it's, like, everyone's, like, oh, my gosh, psychology. Yeah. And um, so it's the new subject, and so... She accepted it, and because she didn't know anything about psychology, she took a year off to study it. And there were, yeah, that's cool. Isn't She's it weird? Like, it was just like, hey, you want to teach the subject? Sure, let me go learn about it. Then I'll be back in a year. And I'll but teach like, it. that's just kind of her style. Like, she yeah. like. I need to know something. Yeah. So let me go do that and, and I'll get back at you. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. Um, and so at the time, there weren't many options for women to get a psych degree. The programs that she, like, had in mind, like her 
her dream list included University of Michigan with John Dewey, Yale with J.T. Ladd, Clark with G. Stanley Hall, and Harvard with William James. And I know you're not like a psychology person, but those are all like big names in psychology. Like I believe you. I okay, good. Like, I I hear you. <laughs> I understand. Okay. Yeah, like those are all like um very influential people that like I had to learn about in intro to psych. That's like, really cool though that now they're like coming out. Yeah. Um so she wanted to study in like a lab setting, not like in a classroom setting. Right. Um, which narrowed it down to Clark and Harvard. And Harvard oh, no yeah. biggie. Yeah. Just- Clark or Harvard. Clark or Harvard. Um, but Harvard was closer to home, so she she set <laughs> out. Naturally. So she set out admissions to Harvard. To Harvard. Um, and she wasn't admitted because she was a woman. That makes me feel a little bit better about myself in general. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't get into Harvard either, so. Wait, because she was a woman? Yeah. So was it men only at the time? Yeah. Oh, so never mind. That doesn't make me feel better at all. <laughs> but she was allowed to sit in, um, in on lectures after, like, pressure from some of the professors that, like, kind of got to know her, cool. and a petition from her father. So she, she wasn't a student, right. but she was allowed to sit in on the lectures and, like, That's no problem for her, because she's, like, yeah. kind of, like, She's like, okay, okay just, fine, whatever. Like, yeah, this is just an extra. Yeah. So she studied under William James, and here's a little quote from her. It's kind of a long one, but, um. It's okay, I want to hear it. Okay, what I gained from the written page... Oh, William James also wrote, like, a very popular textbook of the time. Um, so that's what she... What I gained from the written page was his textbook. So the written page is his textbook? Yeah, what she's referring to when she says, what I learned from the written page. So it's not called the written page? No. Oh, that'd be a that, really interesting <laughs> name, though. No, it's, like, psychology. Oh, like, it's the name okay, of it. got it. <laughs> what I gained from the written page, and even more from tete-a-tete discussions, was, it seems to me, as I look back upon it, beyond all else, a vivid sense of the concreteness of psychology and all of the immediate reality of finite individual minds with their thoughts and feelings. That's so cool, though, because you don't, you don't associate <laughs> thoughts and feelings with yeah. finite finite other uh, words finite individual minds other words that like you think of as existing like solidly Mm -hmm. yeah the concreteness it's yeah that one yeah concreteness of psychology (laughs) that's pretty solid (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. however he wasn't an experimentalist like he was just like these are the things that we know about psychology here it is like he wasn't like out to find new things which was her area of interest. Right. She was like, okay, cool. I'm glad that you know all this stuff, but I want to know more. Right. I want to know the unknown stuff. Because she's the kind of person that's like, okay, whatever, but yeah. I'm going to teach myself cooler things. Yeah. Um, so then she worked alongside Edmund Stanford of Clark, and he later on, not like around this time, but like later on after she kind of established herself, he helped her set up the first woman psychology lab at Wellesley so like he helped her do that what is a psychology lab like um like is it just a room with people (laughs) and they're just well some of them have like animals like rats mainly and they just talk about their feelings (laughs) well I don't know how they were back then but like now like they have like electrodes and stuff that they put on your head and like they like I don't know what it was like back then though Maybe they just have, like, rats and stuff. Yeah. But, um... Or maybe, like, I don't know. I've seen things with, like, rats and puzzles yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And just 
That's what our rat lab does at my school. That's really cool. But then they kill the rat. It's really sad. <laughs> but well, um, that's the actual psychological <laughs> aspect of the lab. Yeah, it's like, can you How handle? How react to spending an entire semester training and loving this animal and then we kill it? How do you react to that? That's a whole yeah. other podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, and he trained her on experimental lab procedures and, like, how a lab works. Um, and then in 1891, she returned to Wesley as a psychology instructor. She was, so she was like, I know everything about psychology. Here I am to teach these, <laughs> Goals. these um, women who want to learn about it, too. Nice. Um, however... Oh, wait, no. And then her lab that she had was very popular, and the first semester had over 50 students. But in a Which, lab? Yeah. That's crazy. So it was a lot of people. I mean, like, most of my classes, like, I go to a pretty small school. Like, I don't think any of my classes have over 50 people. So. I've definitely had classes. Yeah. You go to a big people. school. I go to a small school. So, anyway. <laughs> That's another podcast. <laughs> um, however, she wanted to further her education in psychology. She was like, um, I know all that everyone knows, like, about psychology, but, like, I still want to know more. I need to know more. <laughs> than, uh, than exists. Like, oh, my gosh. So, she was like, I want to do some more. Um, so, she studied under Hugo Munsterberg. He's a German fellow. <laughs> Tag yourself. <laughs> um, and he came from Germany to work at Harvard. And um, he was very accepting of teaching women. So, like, that was, like... Nice. A, so she was, like... She sought him out and was, like, Hey, let me study under you because right. you'll let me. Um, and so she studied... How sad is that? That's, like... <laughs> I want to learn, but I can only learn from, I'll, like, take anyone. Yeah. Well, I guess that's not the case, because she literally, like, knows all. Yeah, she knows a a lot of people, but she, like, sought him out. He's, like, a, he's a cool, big dude in psychology. I don't really know much about him, but. You understand that. That I can still learn, even though I'm a woman. Right. So, yeah. I guess we can work together. I guess you have, I guess you're smart enough for me me to talk to you. Exactly. So, she studied under him for three years and had, at the time, many scientific papers published, which is a hard thing to do, get a paper published. I've been alive 19 years, and I haven't (laughs) had one scientific paper published. So, So, there you go. Um, and at this time, she was studying dreams and memory, um, and... What she what? <laughs> so she was like those are like the two most unstudiable things ever. Well, like, but that's like yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's a very hard thing to study without. I mean, I I don't think they have like electrodes and stuff. Right. Like now, without being able to see like physical brain yeah. composition if and you, reactions. Yeah, I didn't want to like write all of it down because it was kind of boring. Right. I didn't know like if it would be boring, but like you can like look at some of, like, the stuff that she, like, did to, like, study the stuff. Like, I didn't... Well, there was, like, one where I kind of just, like, glanced over it where they were studying dreams, and so, like, the participants would, like, go to sleep, and every few hours they'd just, like, wake them up and, like, ask them questions, and then they just go back to sleep and just... They That's did super that. interesting. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're interested, you can look it up some more later. Um, <laughs> just to the general public, you can look it up later if you're interested. Um, and then this later lead to the paired associations technique, which is kind of like, um, you know, like whenever you smell something and you're like, that right. reminds me of blah, blah, blah. Like, Whoa. She kind of came up with that. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. 
Um, and then in 1896, she published her doctoral dissertation on paired associates, um, and Harvard refused to grant her the degree um, because she wasn't technically a student, because they did the thing where she was like, you can't be a student, but you can sit on in the lectures, you can do all of the work. Okay, but like, but she doesn't can't. need it. She should just be like, okay, fine. Yeah. I'll become well, a doctor myself. Well, I'll just call myself a doctor. Yeah, well, so she kind of... I'll get to that. Stop, stop <laughs> jumping the gun. Um, so, but she, so yeah, she had completed all of the requirements for a PhD, but was still denied the degree. Um, so, a little quote from William James, who she worked under at Harvard. Mm-hmm. He described her performance at Harvard as quote the most brilliant examination for the PhD that we have ever had at Harvard. Oh, so he was like, she deserves it. Right. From, like, me, like, William James <laughs> of Harvard. <laughs> I wrote you a textbook. Remember and, that time yeah. that I wrote an entire textbook? textbook? on this very unknown subject. Yeah. Yeah, I she, think that she did better yeah. than me. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, in 1895, she returned to Wesley, um, what, Wells? And like, I'm like looking at it, I'm like, Wellesley, it looks so simple, Wellesley, um, as an associate professor of psychology, and then two years later, she became a professor of psychology and philosophy. She could now lecture on classics and Greek, which so is also another... So technically, did she not have any degree in psychology? I guess not. But she was... That's a why. <laughs> That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so... I love it. Yeah, and now she a professor of psychology, but she can also lecture on classics and Greek, which was kind of what she studied originally. Well, yeah, no, not in psychology. Yes, so she doesn't have a degree in psychology. She has a degree in classics and Greek. Right. But not in psychology. But she's still teaching it. Um, So... She wasn't salty at all about Harvard not giving her a degree. She held no resentment against Harvard and instead conveyed appreciation to them for allowing her to take the classes and do her research and, like, work with some of the best psychologists of the time. So she was like... Man, so she was like... She was, like, above it. She was taking the highest high road I've ever seen. Again, it's okay. I don't She's like, okay, cool. I mean, I got to do the work. That's all that matters. That's all she wanted to do. She just wanted to take the classes. She just wanted to do research. Right. She doesn't care about the degree. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Like, if, like, I just, I would pitch such a fit, and I would be so salty if they didn't give me the degree after yeah. doing all that work. But she's just like, I'm fine. <sighs> Why can't I be this? I, so, I know. She's I'm so. Not even, like, I'm hardly motivated enough to do it for the degree. Mm-hmm. Much less without anything. Yeah, she just did it because she wanted to know. I guess like, she got a lot of recognition for it, and it's just something she's yeah. really passionate about. Yeah, but, but she didn't get the little right. degree that says, hey, you're a doctor. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, um, so whenever I decided to do this, I just wanted to do it because she was, like, the first psychologist, right. woman psychologist. Um, but then I learned that she was also an avid supporter of women's rights nice. and was, like, a suffragette. And, like, I didn't even know that going into it. I was just, like... She's right. a psychologist, and I want to learn about her. Um, and so here's a quote, which I really like, from her. In a democratic country governed as this by the suffrage of its citizens and given over as this to the principle of educating women, a distinction based on the difference of sex is artificial and illogical. Savage. <laughs> like it, you it, tell love. Yeah, she's like, you'll educate your women, but you won't let us vote. Right. It's 
it makes no sense. Oh my gosh. So, um, she, she was woke. Yeah. She was super woke. <laughs> yeah. She understood. I know. This is, what year is this? This is like the 1890s. She was like, she was like, I get it. You're ignorant. Yeah. I'll accept okay. that and move on with it yeah. and work with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there we go. Um, and she was also a pacifist. And during World War One, a colleague of hers was fired for their pacifist views and so she, instead of what I would do, I would just be like, war is good, let's go. And just, like, on the inside, <laughs> just be like, war is bad. But, like, on the outside, be like, war is great. But instead, she offered her resignation because she was like, um, my colleague was fired for their pacifist views. I have the same views. I'm resigning. I feel like you wouldn't, though. Like, I think that you, like, you say that you would, but I, I feel like you would do something, though. Or, like, I, I don't feel like you would lie about it, though, because... I feel like we've been in a lot of situations where it's just, like, I've never seen you not be honest about your beliefs, and I don't think that you, okay, well, <laughs> look, don't, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> Thank you, Talia. I think that but... if someone was like, I'm gonna fire you unless you say that you approve of this, mm-hmm. I don't see you being like, I approve of it. Yeah. Okay. Like, I just don't, don't let me I down. Mean, if this happens, do not let me down. World War Three. I'll hit you up and tell you how I feel. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so, so, like, tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, within the next couple of weeks. Got maybe, it. At least. But you'll um, be away in I'm Belgium. leaving the country. Denmark. De- wait, which one? Belgium! Which one is it? <laughs> I'm going to Belgium. But, okay, so, yeah, so she was like, fire me. As well, because I have the same views, but um, her resignation wasn't accepted. They uh, were just like, you're too valuable to this oh college. So she was just like, okay. <laughs> she didn't fight it very right. hard. Um, but, like, go her. Like, yeah. she's like, this is fair. And yeah. she was just like, y'all are being ignorant, and you're yeah. just keeping me because you know mm-hmm. I'm smart and not. Exactly. So and she was like, okay, I'll work with that. Yeah, instead. exactly. She works with the ignorance. Um, and so in 1902, Radcliffe, which is a woman's college, like, in association with Harvard. I've heard of that. Yeah, so it's, like, Harvard for women, kind so of. So it's not like, as popular or... Yeah, or as good. Mm-hmm. But Got it. it's, like, the Bic for women. Like, the razors, like, they're just not as good. <laughs> this is Harvard for women. And it's pink and pretty. Is it really? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. More expensive because yeah. it's got pink tags. Exactly. Um, so they, at Radcliffe, they offered Mary and three other women a PhD, all women who did work at Harvard, but were denied a PhD. But get this, Mary was like, no, no, I don't want it. She rejected the PhD from Radcliffe, even though everyone, and everyone was just like confused. Like, why won't you just take this? This is what you wanted. And she was like, because it's not what she wanted. No, but like. Everyone was everyone was like, this is what you worked for. Right. Like you deserved this, right. even because kind of like at the time, like a degree from Harvard and a degree from Radcliffe were like equal. Okay. Like people didn't see like a Radcliffe degree as like lesser than a Harvard degree. Okay. Really, it was just like you're a woman, so you went right. to Radcliffe. Um, but she said, I have another quote. I furthermore think that it highly probably that the Radcliffe degree will be regarded as the practiced equivalent of the Harvard degree. And now that the Radcliffe degree is offered, I doubt whether the Harvard degree will ever be open to women. So, like... Oh, so she was she like... She was like, I, I want s- the degree from Harvard. I don't want the degree from Radcliffe. She was like, if I accept this degree from Radcliffe, that's, like, me accepting... Yeah, that... The... I don't deserve a Harvard degree. 
Like, right, because she worked for a Harvard degree, mm-hmm. not a Radcliffe degree. Exactly. Not that the work was less. Yeah. But that if she accepted it, she would be, that would be saying that, yeah. like, she's, <laughs> she's encouraging this environment yeah. of Harvard not allowing women exactly. to go there. Exactly. And keeping them separate. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. I understand. I am with you. We are on the same <laughs> We're page. We're all on the same page. So, yeah, so she Except did. You, like, as I was saying. I, I literally the page. page. Yeah, so she denied the Radcliffe degree. Nice. I think the other three women accepted it, but she was just like. I would. Yeah, I probably would too. But she was like. Like me both. Yeah. She was like, yeah, if I accept this, then no no woman will ever get to go to Harvard. And that's, that's amazing. Not, yeah. Um, so she is officially like regarded as the first woman to get a doctoral degree in psychology, even though she never actually got one. Um, but she's still like the first woman doctor right. of psychology. Um, cause she was the first to do like all of the work. Right. Like I think there was another woman, I can't remember her name, but she also like kind of just after Mary, she got her doctorate degree right and so she's like the first like official doctor of psychology but like mary's like the first like she was the pretty much yeah she like without mary that woman i can't remember her name she probably wouldn't have been able to right so yeah that's that's it you oh i probably should have written down the day she died like the Uh, year she died that's okay she She's still, she's still alive. <laughs> she's just chilling. Chillin'. She's just chilling <laughs> in Massachusetts with no doctor degree, no student debt. <laughs> Doesn't need it. Nope. Yeah. Especially so. not the student debt. Mm-mm. That's that's awesome though. Yeah. So, I yeah. will probably not even get a graduate degree. So <laughs> the fact that she like earned a doctorate and then didn't take didn't it. even get it. Yeah. Right. She said no. I don't want it. No thanks. I want to be that level of, like, self-independence. Yeah, like, the op- the opposite of petty. Right. That's the opposite of petty. I think just savage. Just- <laughs> I want to be so savage that I work. Well, no, she didn't work for the degree so she could turn it down. If she did that, no, that, would, that be would be petty. ultimate pettiness. No, she worked to learn. Right. Like some and working to learn and not caring about the degree, like being like, yeah. I get that you're in a steam college and that yeah. means nothing to me. Yeah, that's savage. Yeah, nice. <laughs> like I do the opposite. So, I go the petty route. Yeah, exactly. Just work to for say the degree that I did that. Turn it down. Yeah, just be petty. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's Mary uh, Calkin. Nice. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Calkins. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so today we have with us Ma- Madame C.J. Walker, who was born December 23rd, 1867, and died May 25th, 1919. Okay, can we stop doing this thing where our people are like, from the, the same, same time. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you did yours, and I was like, well, we've also pretty much only done, like, 1800s. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> we've basically just done different decades in the 1800s. Yeah. Which isn't planned. Yeah, but it's just, like, that's a good, that's a good, a good era for it's women. A good, yeah, because they're, like, actually after, documented. after that era, they're either, like, alive or really yeah. recent, so. Yeah. Yeah, so. because before that, there wasn't really any there, record. They didn't really document because they women didn't really so do this is much. when women were like recorded as doing the as first doing things. things yeah so I guess so I guess this is just kind of like yeah 
wow, the, that's the really good sad. time period. Maybe for yeah, maybe for the next <laughs> for the next episode, I'll try and find someone either older or younger. Right. The only person I can think of is Cleopatra. Ooh. Cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it. Cut it. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so um, Madame C. J. Walker. Her real name was Sarah Breedlove. Which is also a really cool name. Yeah. So, or that was, like, her born name. Yeah. Um, so, kind of a summary of her mm. life. She was a known activist, both, like, political and social activist, philanthropist. She donated a lot. Like, I have a long list at the end of things that she donated nice. to. That's not even all of them. An entrepreneur. Ooh. And she was the first self-made female millionaire and is still one of the most successful African-American women ever. Whoa. Like, I think in terms of, like, if you yeah. translate the money that yeah, she yeah, made yeah. then to now. She was the first self-made... Wait, what? what? She was the first self-made female millionaire. So first, like, women, like, yeah. rags to riches story, and still mm-hmm. one of the most successful, like, African-American women ever. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Tell me okay. everything. So, some backstory about Sarah Breedlove. She was born 1867 near Delta, Louisiana. <gasps> Yo! Yeah! Does that sound familiar? That's, like, right down the road, sort yeah. of. <laughs> oh my that's gosh. That's kind of around where we are. We're and, in New Orleans, by the way. Yeah, but no, but we're from northern, we're from East New- Louisiana, yeah. which is where Delta is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was born to Owen and Minerva Breedlove. She had one older sister and four brothers. Um Ooh. She was the first child born into freedom after the Emancipation Proclamation, and her family and um, four older siblings were enslaved at the Madison Parish Plantation. Um, So this is where it gets really sad, but also, she's really cool, so it's it's, okay. She becomes a millionaire at the end, guys. (laughs) So her mother died, likely from cholera, when she was five, and her father, after, like, shortly after remarrying, died when she was seven. I know. She moved to Vicksburg and lived with her older sister, Louvania. They have, like, the coolest oh names. That's a, Sarah yeah. Breedlove, Louvania, Minerva. Like, awesome I love names. their names. I love it. Um, so she lived with her older sister and um, Louvania's husband working. And when she was 10, she started working as, like, a housemaid. Um, so she married Moses McWilliams at age 14, possibly to escape mistreatment from her brother-in-law, and had a daughter three years later on June 6, 1885, and her name was Lelia McWilliams, and Lelia, like, later went by Alelia. Mm -hmm. Like, people called her Alelia, not just Lelia. So it's like the opposite of a nickname. Yeah. Um, Make it longer. (laughs) However, Moses died in 1887 when Sarah was 20 and Lelia was two. Um, Okay, so I have like a different timeline of her events, but this is like her personal life, not career. Um, So she remarried in 1894, but then nine years later they got divorced and then she moved to Denver, Colorado in 1905. So she, after um, Moses died, mm-hmm. her and Lelia moved to Missouri to live near her brothers. And then she got remarried there. And then once they got divorced, she moved to Denver, Colorado, where she met newspaper advertising salesman Charles Joseph Walker, which is where Wa- Madame like C.J. Walker That's came a from. good, solid name. That is a, like, 
Charles Joseph Walker. It's a good name. He, he <laughs> has is, good roots. He's a hard worker. Like, I get good he vibes. He sells newspaper I get, advertising. I get good vibes. Charles Joseph <laughs> Walker is a newspaper <laughs> advertising salesman. Yeah, he sounds like a good, just solid... Which, advertising salesman, just, like, that cracks me up. Because it's like, <laughs> you're selling people to be able to sell so, things. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so... Um, but they got divorced in 1912, and then he oh. died in 1926. Well, that's like, not always bad. Yeah. I mean, I have Maybe they just... Yeah. My mom's on her third marriage. Yeah. And, like, and living with my previous stepdad, so I don't think that yeah. it was necessarily, like, yeah. they hated they each just, other. I mean, it totally could have yeah. been. I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't find anything about that. Oh. Um, so, okay. So, 1888, um... Lelia's father, Moses, died. They moved to Missouri near um, Sarah's brothers, and she worked as a laundress and sang at the St. Paul African Methodist Episcopal Church, where she yearned for formal education, and even though she didn't make a lot of money, she made sure that Lelia, like, got an education. Like, Lelia later went to Knoxville College in Mm -hmm. Tennessee um, or, what was it? yeah, Knoxville College, before she, like, went to work with her mother eventually, which is yeah. really cool. That's awesome. Um, and this is kind of, like, where her career started, because there weren't, like, there wasn't proper hair care products for African-American women at the time, and so there was a lot of, like, like, scalp conditions and everything, yeah. and they're just super dry, and, like, yeah. losing hair and all this stuff, Ooh. and, like, she was in the choir and, like, talked with people a lot yeah. about it. Um, so she started to learn about hair care from her brothers, who were all barbers, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, they could have had... Wait, she has four brothers? Yeah. Like, and they were all barbers? They were... <laughs> they were in a barbershop <laughs> in her <laughs> Oh my I gosh. I don't know. That is... Uh, they that had could, to have been. They had to They have must been. have been. She was in a choir. They had they to have... They had... It, I mean... That had to have happened. It had to. I don't... We have no facts backing this up. I have no idea, but... I hope. That has to be. There's no <laughs> way. There's four brothers who are all, all barbers. barbers. They ha- And they all, like, live, like, in the same right. place. They have to be. Shop quartet. They have they to They have There's to be. no way that there could be four people that are barbers together. <laughs> and not sing together. At least occasionally. Just like, just like, even just like happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, like makes them a yeah, exactly. Every time they just sing like happy birthday, or like when they went to church together, yeah. they were a barbershop quartet instantly. Yeah, yeah. they just like whenever they started singing, they like put striped jackets on. They just disappeared out of nowhere. And as soon as they stopped singing, as soon as they took a breath, it just disappeared. This is absolutely true. <laughs> These are actual facts. science. <laughs> Do not doubt us. So she learned about hair care from her barbershop quartet brothers. <laughs> um, and also Annie Turn Turnbow Annie Turnbow I wrote this down really badly. Malone. Annie okay, Annie Malone, someone with the last name Malone, <laughs> who is also an African American entrepreneur and the future hair care rival of Sarah. So Malone was the owner of Poro Company, um, and Poro Company is who Sarah worked for under Malone and kind of, like, learned from her and was a saleswoman for her. Mm -hmm. Um, So she developed her own 
hair care line based on knowledge from her brothers applied to tactics from Malone. And then, so she moved to Denver with Lelia in 1905 when she was 37 and after, I think, after Lelia had finished school. Um, and she continued to sell products for Malone while making her own products. Yeah. Um, and I think she was also, okay, I don't know, when she moved to Denver, she was working as a cook for a pharmacist, and there she, like, learned, Wait, she, was she, working, she was working as a cook for a pharmacist. So a guy at his house, not at the pharmacy. I'm assuming not at the pharmacy, well, but, like, in Monroe, pharmacies, there's Yeah, pharmacy. pharmacies used to have, like... Right. So, I don't know. It could be either one of those, but there was a pharmacist, and she was working for him, okay. making food. <laughs> okay. Um... And she learned how to make, like, she learned how to make basic ointment to treat dandruff and, like, dry scalp. So she also, so she learned the basic formula. Yeah. And then she knew stuff from her brothers, and she knew stuff from Malone, and just, like, all this knowledge kind of came together, and she started making her own stuff. Nice. Um, so her husband, Charles Joseph Walker... Um, was, like, her business partner and helped her market herself as an independent hairdresser and retailer for her own products. Um, so she'd go door-to-door teaching other black women how to groom and style their hair since that wasn't, like, a big thing at the time. So she was kind of one of... There's, like, other companies doing it, but not like her, and I don't think they did it until after her. So she was, like bringing these formulas and teaching them how to do it. So, yeah. Um, So then Lelia was put in charge of the mail orders for the company in Denver while Sarah and Charles traveled around the southeast promoting it since that was, like, where she was from. Yeah. Um, And in 1908, Sarah relocated the company and their family with it to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and they opened a beauty parlor and Lelia College. Like she, and that's where she would like train hairdressers, like kind of teach people um, how to be, just how to do hair and yeah. stuff. And she called them hair culturists. Oh, I love yeah. it. And she named the college Lelia oh, College, and that's so cute. That's so awesome. Um, so then, they kind of like took the company out of Denver in 1907. So Lelia was taking care of it in Denver while they were in. Pittsburgh, and then they closed in Denver, and she went to Pittsburgh, and she kind of took over in Pittsburgh, and then Sarah relocated again to Indianapolis, and then the headquarters for Madame C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company was established there, and they opened an office and salon in Harlem as well, like, that was Linda's idea, she was like, you know, this would be a really good place for you to open up, um, so... She opened a beauty school to train sales agents, and by 1917 had trained 20,000 women Whoa. on how to, like, do hair for yeah. African-American women. And That's I think awesome. by 1919, they had trained, like, 25,000 or That's something. That's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, she had a lot of really cool employees, and one of them was Marjorie Joyner, who was um, granddaughter of a slave and slave owner, and she was friends with people, like... Eleanor Roosevelt, which you might have heard of, and, <laughs> and she founded the National Council of Negro Women. Like, this isn't about yeah. her, but she was also really cool, yeah. and I think she was responsible for, like, the training of, like, 15,000 of those women or wow. something, so she was pulling her weight. Yeah. Um, she wanted a way for women to be able to, like, permanently curl their hair, 
more efficiently. And so she based she based these ideas on how pot roasts were cooked. Ooh, what? And how they were like it was sped up by like paper pins or something. So she made this curler for like a permanent wave, which was later known as a perm. So we have her to blame for the perm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now we know. Yes, now we know. <laughs> Now we know we not be friends with. Yeah, I don't want to be friends a with a pot that. roast. I don't. I didn't really how, understand how. Maybe like the slow. Cooking. Right, like it had something to do with how you cook it longer. Yeah, slow, slow and long. What's the saying? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, may, oh, make it fast, cook it. Slow and low. Slow and low. <laughs> More <Make> hair. <laughs> make, yes. Make, that's what you say, like, about a crock pot. Make, and then, like, make it fast, cook it slow. Yes. Good try. <laughs> no, I think that's right. Plus for and then slow and low. Yes. Those are terms. <laughs> I have So, quite- well, she trained <laughs> a black woman on how to do hair. She also helped train them on how to budget and build it their own businesses and just like generally be independent so yeah. she was like she did hair but that wasn't her only mm-hmm. objective like she wasn't just out there to make money obviously yeah like she she was an awesome businesswoman. yeah and she wanted other people to do well right too. she wasn't like i'm not going to teach you how to the su- build a business right like the success of her community was her success yeah so she really valued making sure other people were also doing well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so my next section is she did a lot of good things. <laughs> so <laughs> that is the official title of this <laughs> next segment. <laughs> um, okay, so she built a branch of a YMCA in, I think, Indianapolis. Yeah, Indianapolis, and she spent, like, she donated, like, $1,000, which was way yeah. more money back then. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The... I'll get to it later, but anyway, so (laughs) she had scholarships to Tuskegee Institute and donated to a bunch of, like, churches and schools, especially schools for women and, like, vocational schools, um, and in 1917, she commissioned Vertner Tandy, who was the first African-American registered architect in New York City, to design her home in New York, Villa Luara, Villa Luaro, I might be pronouncing <laughs> that wrong, I'm sorry, um, which, like, became a community gathering place, basically, for, like, leaders in the African-American community in the area, and just cultural events, yeah. so it was, it was her home, but it was really the community's, like, home base. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what if your home is just, like, Open that'd be just to people. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. so nice. I'd love that'd be that. terrifying, but like, yeah. But I feel like I don't know if that was like her only house. Like, yeah. I know she built it, and I think her daughter lived there. Yeah. But I'm sure she had other places to go, and there were parts that was like her yeah. living quarters. But it, it was a villa. Like, mm-hmm. there was definitely gathering areas, so it was mm-hmm. easy for her to entertain yeah. guests and to just have people and have meetings and everything. So. Well, she, like, brought the cultural epicenter yeah. to her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, she was also very politically involved. Um, she was friends with Booker T. Washington, 
Mary McLeod, um, Bethune, I think, is how it's pronounced? W.E.B. Dubois, and, like, other mm-hmm. civil rights leaders. Um, she was also a leader in many activist groups. Like, she was on the executive committee of the New York branch of the NAACP, and that, like, committee organized um, the Negro Silent Protest Parade to protest lynching in New York, and it had, like, 8,000 people yeah. there to protest, which was a lot. huge. Yeah. Like, this is not even, like, 1960s yet. Like, this yeah. is early 1900s yeah. when civil rights there really wasn't anything yeah. to organize. Like, can you... It's not like she had the internet. It's not like she had phones. Like... Yeah, oh, yeah, I didn't even... This oh was just... How... Yeah, how do you, like, She just got out. the word out. She just talked to people. And yeah, was like, and then those people told other people. Right. Her house was the gathering place. And they got 8,000 people. That's a lot of people. I mean, like, that's like... Yeah. That's a lot of people. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's... That's more people that than... Imagine what? if everyone... I don't know how big Tulane is, but everyone... Okay, just imagine, like, your college. No computers, mm-hmm. no phones, getting everyone to get to the same place we at the same 3, time. We only people at I know. But imagine if you had to get everyone there to get to the same place like, at, at the, the same, same time, time and, like, without any internet. Without a mass email. Right. Like, it, You couldn't it, even it, do it with it a mass email. No. <laughs> <laughs> Much less People without. hate going to things. All right. Exactly. And what I have learned from college is people don't like to go to right. things. Right. Exactly. Agreed. That's great. Anyway, Anyway, so that's Um, impressive. (laughs) And she also was at the White House in 1917 protesting after a white mob murdered three dozen African Americans in Illinois. So it's like, that happened, and she's like, I'm going to the White House. We need to take care of business. (laughs) We can't just, like, go in the streets of New York. We need to take this to the White House. We're going straight to the source. We're we're getting this taken care of. So she was really cool. Yeah. She made the largest gift from an individual to the NAACP as of 1919. I think it was something like $25,000. Yeah. Um, she also left $100,000 to different causes that were important to her and two-thirds of future state profits to charity, which is like, her estate is so, like, valuable today. Yeah. But we'll get into that later. Okay. So, um... She died on May 25th at 1919 from kidney failure, and she was only 51. She did, like, all, she of did all of this before, before she, she was, was 51. That's insane. Right. Oh my gosh. I won't say how old my mom is, but I'm trying to imagine <laughs> her, like, end of her career, like, doing all these things that are super important to her. Yeah. And, like, think about where she came from. I know. Oh, my God. Like, she was making, she was think, like, $3 a day max. She was constantly doing stuff. There, She did yeah. not have, like, an off. Like, she was going. From it the wasn't moment she just, was born. She it was wasn't just, like, even just, like, go. she came across this great business idea. Like, she was, like, do, working multiple jobs, trying to get it off the ground, oh. figuring out the best way to do it, traveling the country, advertising, like, she was on it. Yeah. And, like, bringing other people up with her. All within, like, 50 years. Right. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. That's insane. Like, you couldn't start off as a millionaire no. and do that. I'm not saying, like, you specifically. <laughs> I'm sure that if you put your mind to it, you could. Um, we'll see. <laughs> Putting pressure on you, Anne. <laughs> Let's see. But, um, Could be up in 20 years. So, her resting place is in the Bronx, New York. Um, so... 
Even though she is eulogized as the first female self-made millionaire, her estate is was worth $600,000 at the time, which today is about $8 million. Oh my lord. Yeah, so like... In 1917, so two years before she died, she said herself she wasn't yet a millionaire but wanted to be. So I think at the time she didn't have, like, many million dollars. Like, I think she was close. I think she might have had, like, a million dollars or something. But Mm -hmm. I think, like, being a millionaire back then was so much more. So, okay. Yeah. The annual salary at the time for the average American person was $750. So, being a millionaire, like, <laughs> yeah, so being a millionaire is not the same as what you no. think today. Like, today being a millionaire, like, it's honestly, just... you can probably, like, you can live happily, yeah. but it's not like you're going to have a mansion and a bunch of boats and a private plane. Yeah, you need to be a billionaire for that. Right. Like, so being a millionaire then is just, okay, I think you yeah. get the point. Yeah. Um. So, the Walker Manufacturing Company was renamed Madame Walker Theater Center, like, the headquarters. And um, so that and Villa Loero were put on the National Register of Historic Places. Nice. Um, and then, so in 2006, Regina Taylor, um, a playwright, wrote the play The Dreams of Sarah Breathe Love. So she wrote a play about mm-hmm. her life, which is cool. And then in 2016, Sundial Brands and Sephora launched the collection Madame C.J. Walker Beauty Culture. <gasps> and I think it had, like, four palettes kind of des- like dedicated Ooh, to to her and just awesome. kind of commemorating her. I want it. So um also Sarah's great great granddaughter wrote a biography about her but I'm not sure when and her great great granddaughter's name was Alalia Bundle. Oh, so like she had her great grandmother's name. That's awesome. And then in twenty seventeen um Octavia Spencer committed to portray Sarah in a TV series based on that biography. I don't know what the biography was called, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess as a finishing, some finishing statements, um, I have some cool quotes. All right. Cool quotes from cool her. Cool quotes. Um, most of them are kind of long, but I'll start with, like, okay. the shorter ones. Okay. So, after her parents died, something she was known to say was, I got my start by giving myself a start. So I think, like, throughout her teen years, like, her building herself up. And she had a lot of really long quotes about perseverance, but I think the one that's like, sums it up the best is, perseverance is my motto. (laughs) There were a lot about, like, working hard and sticking to it and making a name for herself, but there were so many that that was just like, this one's good. This one, this one, yep. (laughs) Um, so... She also, like, about her political activism, um, she said, This is the greatest country under the sun, but we must not let our love of country, our patriotic loyalty, cause us to abate one whit in our protest against wrong and injustice. Which is crazy yeah. powerful. Like I know. I was, I was just thinking, like, how, like, imagine being, like, an African-American woman in the early, like, 1900s. Like, your parents and, and siblings were all slaves, slaves. And you love your country still. Right. That's insane. She's protesting lynchings. Like, she, there was no hair care for her. Like, she yeah. had to do it herself. Like, no one. But she still loved she her still, country. Man. She's still, like, this is the best country ever. Yeah. So. Man. So, I think we you could all You can't say that lesson. she was just, like, angry or upset. No. Like, she had 
everything against her. Absolutely everything. everything. The worst case that this country can give somebody, and she was still like, this is the greatest country ever. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. But that makes I still... me feel really crappy about yeah. like, how I am, and I'm like, I hate this country, like, and our president is awful, and then like here I am. But like, we should just like... Like, okay, in celebration of 4th of July tomorrow. <laughs> oh, sure, it's the 4th of July. I guess what, what we can take from this is that, like, it's okay to love our country and be grateful for it, but mm-hmm. it's just, like, if you think something is wrong, then you go out there and change it, mm-hmm. is what she's saying. No, yeah, nothing can be perfect. Right. So even, like, the greatest country is going to have some flaws, right. but we're going to work to fix them. Right. So. Which I think is just... Yeah, like, I, I want to write that yeah. down, put it up on my wall. Yeah, I like you can't truly love something without noticing its flaws. Like right. you know, whenever people oh my are like, gosh, "You're so right," <laughs> like whenever people are like, "Oh my gosh, this is like the greatest thing ever in the entire world. It is perfect." It's like you don't truly love that thing right. then, but like you truly love something when you can actually like see its flaws and, and work with it, work with the flaws and recognize them. Kind of like. Mary with ignorant people. Yes, you work with it. You work with it. All connected. Harvard's like the greatest school, and I want a degree from there, but I think that they're wrong. So I'm not going to take this degree from somewhere else. Connected. It's all connected. It's all connected. It's all connected. Time is a flat circle, and it's meaningless, and is a man-made device. And so what I'm saying is, these are the same people. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more quote that was okay. really cool. I should have saved that for last. Whoa, but this is also was... really cool. Okay. So she was at a convention for, like, African-American entrepreneurs. So from the convention floor, like, something happened, and she, like, spoke out, and she was like, I am a woman who came from the cotton fields of the South. From there, I was promoted to the wash tub. To there, I was promoted to the cook kitchen. And from there, I promoted myself into the business of manufacturing hair goods and preparations. And the next year, at that same conference, she was the keynote speaker. (gasps) Oh my. And that (laughs) is what she said. (laughs) Continuing her ASMR podcast. <laughs> That's I awesome. I want to be friends with her. Yeah, I want to. I want to be. I want to be friends with them both. So I want to be. Imagine if they were just like they went to a really bad restaurant together. They'd be so accepting and get the biggest tip and just be oh. like and give like, like tell the waiter like such good things and mm-hmm. then and like they get to know the waiter. They would. Yeah, they would get they to understand why them. the restaurant was suffering. Yeah, they'd find out that it was like this immigrant family that was struggling and they were doing all the cooking for the super busy mm-hmm. awesome restaurant themselves and they'd like donate money and help exactly. them figure out exactly. how to improve it man i don't want to just be friends with them like i want, I want to be but we can but be we can embody we can. their spirit we of will. acceptance and working and, with that and just just like notice the ignorance and deal with and it. deal with it and then work with it try and fix it yeah and then just live your life nice and calm Right, exactly. Like, like chill. Just be chill. Right. Yeah. Okay, so. bye! <laughs> Follow us on social medias. Um, we don't know them yet because they haven't been created, but they will be, so check the description. Because um, they'll be there. Um, Quick, turn it off! Bye! Oh, I press the wrong button. Bye! <laughs>